It's the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min and we are live. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. We're bringing you our preview ahead of the game against Villarreal Arsenal, taking on the La Liga side in the second leg of their UEFA Europa League semi-final. On Thursday night, of course, the Gunners trail by two goals to one. But that away goal gives Arsenal some hope. It gives Arsenal a lifeline. And we are desperate, absolutely desperate. Mikel Arteta is desperate. The team are desperate to turn this around and book our place in a final, a European final, where we will more than likely face Manchester United. So there's plenty to play for in this second leg. And on this episode, we're going to be looking ahead to the game. We're going to be discussing Mikel Arteta's press conference ahead of it. We're going to be touching on some of the comments from Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang as well. Uh, so there is plenty to get into. Big hello to everybody watching us live in the chat box. Hope you're all well. Uh, and of course, a big hello to those of you who will either be watching this back later on or listening to it back via the audio platforms. Hope you're all good. Well, without further ado, let's get into it. And let's start off by touching on uh, some of the comments made by Mikel Arteta in the press conference uh, that he gave earlier on today. And of course, uh, Mikel Arteta, I think, recognises the significance of this game. I think understands that this is massive, absolutely massive uh, for him. will have the transfer funds needed in the summer to continue this rebuild that Mikel Arteta is currently overseeing. Who knows? But he started off by being asked about the team news. And of course, we thought that Kieran Tierney, Alexander Lacazette would all uh, would potentially be in contention for the first leg. None of them made it in the end. None of them even made the substitutes bench. But Mikel Arteta remained tight-lipped on who might be available on Thursday, he said, we will see today. We're training this afternoon. We will see today how everybody is. So he did dodge the question uh, on the whole injury front. He didn't rule out the possibility of David Luiz being available. He said that David Luiz is feeling better. And he said that with David Luiz, anything is possible. So he didn't rule the Brazilian out, however, of making some sort of contribution, despite having gone off at Newcastle United with an injury. He was asked about the false nine. Of course, Mikel Arteta deployed the Mill Smith row in a false nine role in the first leg. It didn't work. I think we can all agree on that. It simply did not work. Mikel Arteta, on the criticism that he's faced off the back of that, said the criticism is part of the job. And normally it comes when you lose. We all know that. There was a lot of talk about the, the home form. And Mikel Arteta said it's time to change that home form. Uh, he was very sort of uh, you know, keen to to make the point that in his view, yes, it's, you know, it's not been ideal. It's not been very good. But with each home game, there is an opportunity 
for him to to put it right. And so fingers crossed uh, we can start with that tomorrow in what is without question our biggest game of the season. Uh, just getting a couple of comments through that the video is a little bit uh, stuttery. So I do apologize about that. But as long as the sound's coming through, uh, that's the main thing. I'll see what I can do. Uh, I think I know what the problem is. So let me uh, see if that fixes it. And uh, just let me know uh, if you continue to get any problems with it. Uh, he was also asked uh, about if he'd spoken to anyone uh, involved in the takeover bid. Now, of course, there's been a lot of talk around this proposed takeover of Daniel Ek. Thierry Henry has been speaking about it, um, you know, on Monday Night Football. And he, he gave an indication with regards to Daniel Ek and his intentions and it seems that in Thierry Henry's mind, Daniel Ek has the right intentions, which as Arsenal fans is probably something we should take encouragement from. Um, but yeah, you know, the, the press conference was largely about how important this game is for us, how important it is uh, for Mikel Arteta. Um, you know, he was, of course, again asked if he's had contact with the Cronkies in light of all the speculation that has been doing the rounds recently. And he said he has. He said he has. Um, he said that they've been in contact uh, in the last few days, which suggests that he is in contact with the Cronkies quite a bit. Now, and I've said this before, I don't expect Mikel Arteta to go out there and hammer his employers. I don't expect him to badmouth them. I don't expect him to publicly criticise them. But it does feel like Mikel Arteta is really bending over backwards to protect the Cronkies and to make it seem that everything between him and them is is fine despite their rocky relationship with the fans. And listen, I like Mikel Arteta and I'm desperate for him to succeed. However, when you take into consideration where we are, the results with which, uh, you know, the results that we're currently turning in, it just doesn't feel like a wise move um, with the board. I know ultimately they are the ones that will decide whether he keeps his job or not, but he's not doing himself any favours in the eyes of the fans, in my opinion. You don't have to criticise them. You don't have to slag them off. You don't have to badmouth them, but you equally don't have to bend over backwards to make out as if everything is rosy at the Emirates when we, as a fan base, want them out. So that's one of my issues um, with uh, with Mikel Arteta at the moment, and it is starting to irritate me a little bit. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's also been talking ahead of this one. He's talked about how this is one of the most important games of his career. He's talked about uh, his time suffering from malaria, said he's never been so ill in his life. And initially, he put it down to just uh, sort of travel fatigue. Uh, so it's interesting to hear a little bit more about Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's illness, how he's coped with it, how he's fought it off. And obviously now he is back in contention to face Villarreal. And I think with Alexander Lacazette, unlikely to make it. We are in desperate, desperate need of a potent goal threat in the centre-forward position, someone who can provide a focal point to our attack. And yeah, there's an argument that Aubameyang maybe doesn't do that as well in terms of his all-round game and overall game. But Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang throughout his career has proven he is a goal scorer. Unai Emery, in his press conference ahead of this one, has described him as a killer. That's what he described Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang as. He said he always has been a killer and he always will be. So Unai Emery also paying attention and paying respect to Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, which is interesting, you know. So it'll be good to see uh, him back. And when he does return, um, well, he returned at the weekend. I didn't think he had a great game at the weekend, but... 
in this game, I think having got, what, 78 minutes under his belt or wherever it was at the weekend, I think we can expect to see a much sharper, a much fitter and a, a much more dangerous Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Fingers crossed anyway, because we really bloody need him. Big hello to everybody joining us in the comments section. Hope you're all good. Um, big hello to Kyle, who's joining us from Vancouver. Xander uh, asked if the rest of the family are streaming on Netflix, Harry. No, uh, they're not Xander. And it shouldn't really make a difference because I've got it all wired up nowadays. What I'm finding an issue with uh, is that when I try to share my screen, when I try and share the screen from certain websites, it seems to make the video stutter. I don't know why that is. Um, I'll, I'll give StreamYard a shout, actually, in the support group and see if anyone knows a fix for that. But that was what I was doing. I was looking at the press conference uh, transcript. I was going to share it on the screen. And, of course, the video uh, took a bit of a beating as a result of that. So I've stopped that now, and it seems to be all good. Uh, let's see what else uh, you guys are saying. Uh, Ashton says, Harry, looking like a Bond villain. <laughs> I've been called worse. Uh, Jack says, what do you think of the puppet back in his mates, the Cronkies yet again? Yeah, I'm, I'm not a big fan of that. As I've just said, you know, it is something that has irritated me um, and it's not something I, I particularly want to hear coming out of the manager's mouth. Uh, Giovanni says, congratulations on becoming a dad for the second time, Harry. Giovanni, thank you so much, mate. Really, really appreciate that. What I wanted to do on this episode, because of course, tomorrow, uh, ahead of the game, I'll bring you the starting lineup that I want to see. Um, and I'll be talking to you, of course, uh, about my prediction. But I wanted to talk tonight uh, or today a little bit about some of the changes that I believe Mikel Arteta probably has to make going into this game. And maybe not necessarily just in terms of personnel, but in terms of uh, the approach to the game. First of all, I think the false nine thing has to go. Look, we discussed it. Uh, we all acknowledged that it was a mistake. It was an error of judgment on Mikel Arteta's part, partly due to the fact that he probably didn't trust those in reserve to come into that position and and basically, uh, what's the word? Basically fulfill the role in the way he wanted it to be fulfilled. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's back now, and that is very different. So I expect Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang to start up top tomorrow. And therefore, we don't have to worry, I think, I hope, about the potential of a false nine uh, playing against Villarreal. I also talked about the midfield. You know, Danny Sabayas is suspended, and I'm not even sure that's a bad thing, given he seems to be on this one-man crusade in the Europa League. Uh, to really get us in a spot of bother, to get us dumped out, essentially, because he keeps making mistakes, whether it's getting sent off, whether it's giving the ball away on the edge of the box, you know, misplacing passes, putting us into trouble. Long story short, Danny Sabas in this competition this season has been a bloody liability. So for him to not be in the side is in some ways a bit of a blessing. The only thing is, though, where Sabayos, a good Sabayos or a Sabayos on a good day, could fill in for Granite Xhaka alongside Thomas Partey and we'd still be of a decent level. We're now looking at Mohamed Elneny and I'm sorry, you know, a lot of people like Mohamed Elneny and they like his attitude and they like his work rate and they like the effort with which he plays, but he's not good enough. And I don't want to see Mohamed Elneny starting in the heart of midfield for Arsenal in a game of this magnitude. I want to see Granit Xhaka restored to the midfield. I want to see Granit Xhaka playing alongside Thomas Partey. It's what I've always wanted to see because I believe that that, that pairing is Arsenal's best pairing in the middle of the pitch. I was kind of more willing to go with the Ceballos-Partey thing 
if Sabios was available, but with Sabios unavailable now, Partey and Elneny is worked on a couple of occasions. I think, if I'm not mistaken, they played together at Old Trafford when we won earlier in the season. But it, it, it just doesn't fill me with confidence. And I don't want to see that uh, selection made by Mikel Arteta. I want to see Granit Xhaka restored to midfield. If Kieran Tini's back, great. Um, it would be fantastic to see him at left back. Arsenal with a natural fullback on that side. You know, it's been a big problem for a while now. But if we have to play with Cedric there so that we can push Granit Xhaka back into the midfield, so that we can have our best midfield pairing, so that we can be more competitive in an area we were dominated in the first half by Villarreal uh, during that first leg, then for me, you got to do it. You know, a lot of people have worried about Samuel Chukwesi playing on the right-hand side for Villarreal. That was one of our biggest, biggest concerns going into that game. Obviously, Villarreal's uh, opening goal came from Chukwesi, uh, creating something from the right-hand side. But what a lot of people perhaps don't realise and perhaps maybe have forgotten or have glossed over is that Chukwesi is a left-footed player. Chukwesi is, as he did for that first Villarreal goal, going to want to cut inside. That is what he does. And so actually playing a right-footed left-back might not be the worst move in the world. It might not be as, as damaging, you know, as you'd think, because if Chukwesi is going to cut in, which we believe he will do, then he's going to be cutting in onto that defender's stronger right foot. Where it might be a problem is when we're trying to break forward, when we're trying to build attacks. And obviously having a player on his wrong side disrupts the fluency a little bit, the fluency of the moves, the fluency of our passing. And I think that's probably largely why Arteta has tried to play Granit Xhaka there. But for me, particularly with Sabahs out, Xhaka must, absolutely must be restored to the midfield. I'd play Cedric at left back if Tierney's not fit. If Tierney is fit, great. Put him back in the side. Um, you know, it's... Mikel Arteta's had to make decisions and he's had to make decisions that, you know, I, I don't know, look, I, I don't want to defend him. I, I don't want to defend him for making the decisions he has. But I, I can't get away from the fact that I don't think that Granite Xhaka was a major problem in the first leg. I, I, I really don't. You know, the first goal came largely because one fourth came bursting down the right-hand side. And when the ball was cut inside by Samuel Chukwesi, really, Danny Sabah should have made a challenge, should have cleared the ball and didn't, failed to do so. And the goal came from there. I don't want to see Xhaka play there. I want to see Xhaka pushed back into the midfield. But if he does play at left back, let's judge the game fairly. Let's judge the game based on what we actually see rather than what our preconception um, of Granite Xhaka is. Because I feel like a lot of people have done that over the last few weeks when talking about how well or how not well he's done playing at left back. The other thing I think Mikel Arteta's got to do is he's got to, absolutely got to, play Gabriel Martinelli from the start. This kid must be sitting there scratching his head week in, week out, going, what more do I have to do to get a place in this side? And this might be controversial, but him and Nicola Pepe look to me like the two informed wide men at Arsenal right now. Bukayo Saka, what do you do with Bukayo Saka? Do you play him? Do you try and find a way for him to get in the team? Would you even maybe consider playing him at left back? I don't know. But, you know, 
I would play Pepe and Martinelli on the two flanks, either side of a Bamiang. I really would. I feel like Saka's been wasteful lately. I feel like in the final third, he's not really had the impact that we've seen him have uh, at various parts in the season. I know he won the penalty in the first leg. I, I thought it was extremely fortunate to win that penalty. But other than that, he offered very, very little. So, yeah, that would probably be what I would do. I think somebody like Gabriel Martinelli is chomping at the bit. Nicolas Pepe is probably in the best form of his Arsenal career. Um, and, and for me, if you want to create the right culture at the football club, if you want to send the right message to your players with regards to those who perform will play, those who don't perform won't, then you can't keep leaving out people who are literally knocking on the door and, and you know, and basically huffing and puffing and, and making a point as to why they should be playing. We've got to give those players the reward they deserve. And that reward is for them to be selected in the starting lineup. Gabriel Martinelli is certainly up there. And I'm sure lots of you in the chat will agree with me on Gabriel Martinelli because he really, really is a fan favourite. As Robert says um, in the chat, he says, if we lose, who cares how Xhaka plays? Who cares how anybody plays, uh, Robert, if we lose? You know, it, it you know, it will will no doubt uh, try to, you know, identify the individuals who was at fault, who got it wrong, who's the one that's to blame. But ultimately, you know, this is going to be a team effort and Arsenal need to be at their best. Arsenal need to be concentrated. Arsenal need to push for the goal that we so desperately need. But at the same time, we need to be wary of, uh, of conceding one on the counter-attack and, and giving up the... I guess the upper hand, it's not an upper hand because we're behind, but you know what I mean? The the value of the away goal that we have, we'd surrender that value if we were to concede one of our own. So, yeah, we've got to be careful. We've got to be patient, I think. I expect Villarreal uh, to be quite defensive, quite pragmatic. They're going to be without a couple of players as well. Etienne Capoue and Juan Foyth are said to be missing, which are two first-team players for them. So that's obviously a problem. But I think that Arsenal have what it takes to get through this tie. Arsenal have what it takes to set up what is likely to be an all-English final with ourselves and Manchester United. But Arsenal have to turn up because we've seen far too often this season Arsenal sides fail to turn up. Arsenal sides turn up and not be at the races, not be fully concentrated. We've seen individual errors. We've seen decisions go against us. There's been a combination of factors uh, that that have led to where we are in the in the league. One of them being Mikel Arteta not always managing things right, not always making the right decisions, not always picking the right teams, not always making the right changes in game. So let's see um, how it's going to go. And and J O four says if Arteta gets it horribly wrong again, I don't know how much longer I can give him. And listen, I believe that Mikel Arteta will will more than likely be the Arsenal manager at the start of next season. I believe that Mikel Arteta probably deserves a bit more time uh, to try and get things right. But if we crash out in at the semi-final stage against Villarreal, I will not criticise or begrudge anyone who is of the opinion that he is no longer the right man for the job. It would be an absolutely fair and valid opinion to have. Arsenal are in mid-table. This competition provides Mikel Arteta with an opportunity to save his season and potentially save his job. But if he fails to do that, 
There's a hell of a lot on the line. And I'll tell you one thing, the Arsenal fan base are not going to stand for this. Talked about it a little bit earlier on, on another episode, when we were talking about uh, the links with Maurizio Shari. Would a Europa League exit push the Cronkies to act on the management situation? Would they feel as though at a time when they're getting a lot of heat for not caring about the football, not caring about the club, not caring about the team, the supporters, if we had a manager who had finished mid-table and failed to deliver silverware, would they feel like there's a that now more than ever there would be a need for them to act? And could Mikel Arteta be collateral damage of the Cronkies trying, trying desperately to fix their relationship with the Arsenal fan base? Who knows? We'll have to wait and see how all of this pans out. But it's going to be a huge, huge game. Uh, really, really important one. And uh, fingers crossed that we can do our absolute best and get ourselves over the line. And as I say, book a place in that final in Gdansk, in Poland, um, which is not too far away now. Don't forget, this podcast is brought to you by Manscaped.com. A massive thank you to the guys over at Manscaped for their very, very kind sponsorship of the show. If you wish uh, to treat yourself, if you wish to get the kit, the tools necessary to give your nether regions the tender loving care that they deserve, then head over to manscaped.com, enter the discount code 90min20, and with that code, you will receive free worldwide shipping as well as a 20% discount on your order. So head over uh, to manscaped.com. The link is in the description. The discount code is in the description. Get involved. Check it out. Makes a great present for people as well. I always find. Um, so yeah, check it out and, and you can check out all their fantastic products as well. Highly recommend the lawnmower 3.0. So there you go. Check it out. Um, so yeah, going back to, to tomorrow's game, of course, massive, massive Europa League semi-final. I, I am starting to feel the nerves and I've been quite busy today and I've not been able to think about it a great deal. Well, I've not had time to think about it a great deal. But the more I'm sort of getting into that mode and the more I'm thinking about it and wondering what team Mikel Arteta is going to pick, who may or may not be available, the more nervous I'm starting to feel. Uh, but as I say, we'll be back on Thursday lunchtime uh, with a lineup and uh, prediction show. And of course, on Thursday night, we'll be bringing you live coverage of the game right here live watch along with me uh, starting at 7 45 p.m and we'll be taking you all the way through to the final whistle as well as bringing you a post-match reaction show off of the back of that and then friday we bring you our tactical analysis as always and there is plenty of course coming for you guys to get your teeth stuck into let's go over to the live chat box and see what you guys are saying um let's see what we've got here um, Jack says he dropped Saka and Emil Smith-Rowe for Pepe and Martinelli. I think I would probably drop Saka as well, based on current form. I know a lot of people are going to think that's crazy because of how good he's been over the course of the season. But as I said a little bit earlier on, I think in recent weeks he's gone off the boil a little bit. I really do. I think he's taken his foot off of the gas ever so slightly and, and doesn't look um, as as formidable as he has done. So, yeah, I think I would probably uh, take Bukayo Saka out of the side as well. Play Pepe Martinelli, the big decision for me, or the decision that I haven't made my mind up on yet. Um, and I'm sure we'll talk about it uh, in detail on the lineup show tomorrow is, do I go with Odegaard 
or do I go with Smith Rowe? That's the big question for me. Which one of those two plays in that number 10 position? Emil Smith Rowe has always looked good when he's played there, as has Martin Odegaard most of the time, to be fair. But of course, uh, he's been a little bit rusty having come back from an injury. So what does Mikel Arteta do in the number 10 position? That, for me, is one of the most difficult decisions that the boss will have to make. As Xander says, uh, make sure you drop a like on the video. It really, really does help. Make sure you subscribe to the channel if you are new as well. That also helps us a great deal. Uh, so please do so. Um, again, check out manscaped.com. And uh, let's go back over to some more of your comments. Uh, Matt Beaumont says, good to see you're feeling better, mate. Thank you so much, Matt. Uh, definitely feeling better today. Still a bit bunged up as you could probably tell from my voice, but yesterday couldn't stop sneezing, uh, couldn't stop reaching for the tissues in a much better way today, uh, which is great ahead of tomorrow nights or Thursday nights, if you're listening on the audio, huge Europa League semi-final. Uh, Colin Jr. says he'd fancy Bellerin. Uh, and uh, just following on, that's let me put it into context. He initially said, if Tierney isn't fit, Saka is playing left back in a 3-5-2. No Xhaka left back. Uh, he says he'd even fancy Bellerin. Is that talking about Bellerin playing at right back or Bellerin playing at left back? I don't fancy Bellerin at left back, uh, but at right back, I think he, he certainly made a case for himself. I know it was a bit of a dead rubber against Newcastle, but I'm, I don't know. I'm not on the, the Callum Chambers hype train. I'm really not. Um, you know, I think that I think that Callum Chambers has some great attributes. I think that Callum Chambers' versatility makes him an incredibly good squad player to have around the club. But I don't think a peak Callum Chambers is as good. Maybe not peak. I don't think a I don't think Callum Chambers at right back is as good as a peak Hector Bellerin. So which one are you going to get? The problem is with Bellerin is you can't always guarantee which one of Bellerin is going to turn up. But yeah. Um, I think I would go with Bellerin as well. Initial thoughts. Uh, Xander says, I'm stupidly optimistic for tomorrow. Don't know why exactly. Just got a good feeling. Yeah, me too. I'm optimistic too. Um, I, I really, really am. Uh, IK says, if Tierney isn't 100%, would you risk playing him? The thing is, mate, I think that if the rest of the team is managed correctly, we can get away with not playing him. And if, you know, we're talking about him not being 100%, if he's... 95%, if he's 90%, then I probably would. If you're talking about 60, 65, 70% fit, then the, the risk increases, doesn't it? Mikel Arteta will know um, better than we do about the player's condition. The player himself will know in his gut whether he's got what it takes, whether he's got enough in the tank. He's been out for a while as well. So it's not just recovering from the injuries, being up to speed in terms of match fitness. Is he quite there? At the moment, Kieran Tierney there, and therefore, would you pick him? I'm not sure I would. I mean, I'd have to be, if I was Mikel Arteta, I'd have to be super convinced of his fitness to make a decision like that because it would be a big decision. Equally, though, if he's fit enough to be on the bench, he doesn't play, and Arsenal do have a problem at left back, and Arsenal do end up being eliminated from the competition, Mikel Arteta will feel uh, that that is something that's going to earn him a lot of criticism. And unfortunately, football fans at times are not mature enough to understand that the manager had to make a decision based partly on what he feels and also partly on uh, what the medical team's recommendation is, you know, taking the players' well-being into consideration as well. And I know from an Arsenal perspective, it really doesn't 
make a difference to me. Uh, but Kieran Tierney will have aspirations of playing at the Euros uh, with Scotland in the summer. You know, Scotland have qualified for a major tournament for the first time in a long time, and Kieran Tierney would not want to miss that. So there's all, the, you know, I know, as I say, again, from an Arsenal perspective, who cares about international football, right? Whoever it is. But that will be on Kieran Tierney's mind. Um, and, and we're going to have to wait and see. You know, we're going to have to wait and see. As I said, right at the top of the programme, Mikel was very tight-lipped on whether Kieran Tierney would be able to start. Um, he didn't want to give a, a straight-out, flat-out, clear, transparent answer. He wanted uh, to, to move on from that question as quickly as possible, and he did that uh, very, very swiftly. So, no greater understanding of where Kieran Tierney is at in terms of his fitness. Uh, but around about this time tomorrow, we'll be getting ready uh, for the team news to start coming out. So we're going to have to hold tight for a little bit longer and see how it goes. As I say, I'll be back tomorrow with a full day's coverage of that game. Of course, we'll be doing uh, the predicted lineup or my lineup and uh, preview show at 12 noon. That one will be live on the YouTube channel. It'll be available in podcast format immediately afterwards. And then we will be bringing you the live watch along exclusively on the YouTube channel. So if you are an audio only listener, head over to YouTube, subscribe to the channel, come and join us for live coverage of the game. And then of course the post match show will be coming your way around about 10, 15 PM. If the game doesn't go to extra time, if it does, then that will of course be delayed uh, depending on how long the go game goes on for, but we'll bring that to you, whatever the time is. Uh, around about 15, 20 minutes after the final whistle. So I look forward to catching you all uh, for those aforementioned shows. I look forward to hopefully seeing Arsenal uh, qualify for a major European final. And for now, up the Arsenal. Let's get the job done. listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.